Hello and welcome to The Shana Show. I'm your host, Shana Safi, a qualified nutritionist and holistic health coach. I'm on a mission to help you live a nourished life on every single level. When it comes to your health, your purpose, your growth and everything in between, this podcast is a tool to guide and inspire you towards becoming your happiest and healthiest self. So if you're hungry for growth, you are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is with the amazing Jacinta Barbagallo, who is the founder and nutritionist behind Arenda Women's Health, and she specializes in women's health, skin health, and is just such an amazing wealth of knowledge in this area. I learn so much from Jacinta constantly, and she just knows her stuff when it comes to women's health and skin. So today we wanted to talk all about acne, and Jacinta and I actually developed a six-week program together, which is what inspired us to do this episode. So that program is called Healthy Skin from Within, the Acne Edition. Um, And this is part of the reason why I learned so much about acne from Jacinta, because the amount of detail she put into this program um, was just phenomenal. Like if I had acne, this is the resource that I would want, honestly, we've created it. (laughs) But yeah, so I'm excited to have Jacinta here talking about acne today and also giving some general tips about how to have healthier skin from within. Um, so thank you for being here. It's no, great to have thank you. you so much. It's so nice to be able to record again. It's been so long since we recorded our first podcast, probably like maybe three years ago. It must have been, yeah. yeah it was a little while ago. But yeah. yeah, I absolutely loved being able to create the Healthy Skin From Within program with you because, you know, every Friday just eating all the food that yeah. we made was just insane. <laughs> it was the so, best. <laughs> <laughs> so it was so nice to be able to create all that information to be able to share that with our clients and people that wanted to learn about acne but then at the same time as we're creating all those recipes yeah. and all those delicious meals we literally had food for weeks it was the best <laughs> like can we do another program oh just God, so we I can know. eat every just Friday again <laughs> <laughs> that was so good we literally just had like 13 <laughs> meals on the table just picking from each plate it was so, so good. good so listeners if you have any requests for future um, topics for different skin conditions that you need help with let us know yes. we'll create a program <laughs> we would not so we be complaining <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh that's too funny um so speaking of acne and skin, tell us a little bit about how you help people currently in your practice and then we'll dive more into the nitty gritty of acne itself. Yes, absolutely. So Arenda Women's Health is an online nutrition or naturopathy clinic. Essentially, we collaborate with a lot of different skin therapists around Australia to be able to support their clients with their acne. We do a lot of internal assessments so we can try to help clients actually understand exactly what's going on. We know when it comes to the skin, it's really complex. There's so many different things that can drive acne. And it's really a matter of being able to work through every single system so then the skin can essentially fix itself. Because it's unfortunately, the body doesn't really care how great we look and <laughs> it doesn't care if we've got breakouts or if we've got glowing skin. It really prioritizes pretty much every other system before it's going to do anything to the skin. So essentially what I do with my clients We always start with our initial consultation, which goes for ages. It's about (laughs) 90 minutes. Um, But essentially, in this consultation, we really get a really good understanding as to what's going on in terms of the client's presenting history. And that can really give us a lot of the answers into where we need to do the detective work for them to try to figure out what's going on. Mm. Essentially, at the same time, they're often seeing skin therapists and they're getting their skin to a particular point but then they're not getting those long-term lasting results because there's still that underlying driver yeah. that isn't being addressed. Yeah. 
That's really potent what you're saying there. Like doing that extra testing, finding the root cause, I think is so valuable and can be the difference of whether people see those lasting results and changes or whether they just see more of that like band-aid fix and approach. So I love that you go to such detail and have such an extensive initial consult and do that testing and then those return consults. Yeah, I think it's so valuable. Yeah, absolutely. So essentially we know with acne, acne is defined as an infection of the pilosebaceous unit. So basically we have bacteria that lives in our skin and we know it. We know there's the P. acne's bacteria that drives drives acne. And the thing from the medical model is that a lot of the treatments are focused on antibacterial treatment to try to control that. But the problem isn't so much that the bacteria is causing havoc. It's usually because there's things that have allowed that bacteria to cause problems. Mm. So essentially that bacteria is going to proliferate within the sebaceous gland if there's something that's wrong with the cell's ability to shed. So if we kind of have a lot of different skin cells kind of impacting on each other and they're not really doing their appropriate job in terms of shedding, then Mm. you're going to get a whole lot of follicles kind of sitting on top of each other or sorry, a whole lot of skin cells sitting on top of each other blocking that hair follicle and allowing the bacteria to overgrow because it really doesn't have any oxygen. Yeah, then so interesting. There's so many different things. And then we need to consider the skin barrier function. We need to consider what's maybe driving that sebum production to start with and creating that environment for the bacteria to grow. Mm. So it's never just one thing of trying to target that bacteria and trying to kill the bacteria. You yeah. need to make sure that you're creating a home so it doesn't survive and it yeah. doesn't thrive. Yeah, amazing. And so when it comes to skin cell turnover, do you want to talk a little bit about how long it can take to see those results when you are dealing from it from that root cause and really helping to reverse it long term? Yes, absolutely. So essentially with skin cell turnover, we need to think about everything that's been happening in the at least all the three months leading up to it. Yeah. So typically in people that have acne, they will have a lower skin cell turnover compared to, you know, usual person that doesn't have acne yeah and essentially we need to try to control those factors that can be impacting that so whether it's nutritional deficiencies whether there's something that's going on with thyroid function whether there's something that's going on with the gut skin access because it's the bacteria within the gut that can impact the skin microbiome and the function of the Mm. skin so in terms of timelines it's really it can be tricky because we need to consider the individual's existing history mm-hmm. so let's say for example i have a lot of clients who have been prescribed veracotame and yep. it dries the skin out tremendously mm-hmm. and that means that that skin barrier function is going to be impaired for quite a bit of time yeah and we're not just working with maybe nutritional deficiencies that they have now but we're also trying to counteract the effect of medications that have been prescribed from years prior yeah okay so it really varies person to person. Whenever I'm working with the skin, I always tell the clients, don't expect anything in the first three months to drastically change because we need to wait for the body to catch up mm. a little bit. We're often working with our clients for at least six months. Yeah, We can see results, you know, of course, within that period of time. Yeah. But when we're thinking about the skin, like we said, it's the last place that there's dysfunction. So we've got to make sure that we're working on, you know, gut, liver, hormones, stress, nutritional deficiencies and all that. Yeah. It's a very holistic approach. It's yeah, a massive one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Brilliant. 
And so before I studied nutrition and even before I started learning even more about acne and skin conditions from you, I used to think that acne was just acne. I didn't understand that there were different types. Do you want to talk a little bit about the different types of acne? Yes, absolutely. So I guess the different causes of acne can really vary. We'll start with the most common, which is hormonal acne. So the most common form of hormonal acne is an increase in testosterone. So essentially within the sebaceous gland, which is the gland that produces all of our sebum, so that's kind of what is responsible for that oil production within the skin and can contribute to congestion. Yeah. Essentially there's many hormones that can drive that process, but testosterone, one of its metabolites being DHT and DHEA, which is a hormone which is made from the adrenal glands when we're stressed, they can significantly drive the sebum production within the skin. The way that that typically presents is along the jawline and on the chin, but sometimes it can also present on the chest or on the back. And the classic sign of a testosterone-driven acne is one that clears up when you're on the pill. Mm -hmm. So if you're taking the pill and that significantly improves acne, then more than likely you know that the hormones are going to be one of the driver. Yeah. The thing to note, though, when it comes to hormonal acne is it's never just one blanket rule. Mm -hmm. It's never just only testosterone. Testosterone is one of the main hormones that we know can really impact acne. But I've seen so many clients that have low testosterone and still have acne. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. Why we focus on the testing is because if you were to try to give someone a blanket treatment of fixing their testosterone, which, you know what, when we were in uni, I can guarantee you that was exactly what was in the lecture slides. It's like, it's an androgen dominant condition. You need to just clear out those androgens and the skin's fine. And it's never it's it's never just that otherwise you know everyone would have this magic pill that works yeah so but it's never the case (laughs) so we always need to make sure you're testing your hormones Mm -hmm. but the yeah the hormonal acne is one massive component Mm -hmm. the thing with that we'll just focus mostly on the testosterone rather than the other hormonal dysregulations because it can get a little bit complex i could probably talk for hours about it (laughs) but testosterone is the main driver like i said and that's quite classic in a typical PCOS case, so polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yep. Now, the mechanism of what drives the testosterone increase to begin with is where you focus the core of your treatment because it's all well and good to try to clear the testosterone out of the body, but you've got to actually figure out, well, why is that testosterone high to begin mm. with? Why can't the body regulate its levels of testosterone? Yep. Often that's because of insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. Basically, with insulin resistance – we have the cell's inability to be able to use glucose efficiently. So it's kind of tired of you know responding to insulin. Yeah. Over time, if we're having high carbohydrate foods or if we're not having the correct balance of carbs, protein and, uh, protein and fat, mm-hmm. um, if we're not having the correct form of carbohydrates, so the more high GI instead of the low GI, yep. more refined sugars, then you're going to significantly disrupt your glucose balance. Yeah. Basically, over time, the body gets really sick of that Mm -hmm. and insulin resistance can develop. But there's other factors you need to consider in that picture, which is also your sleep quality, your stress, the timing of your meals, your exercise, muscle mass, and so on. But essentially, the insulin-resistant picture is what drives the testosterone to be high. Mm -hmm. So we then need to focus on correcting the diet, working through lifestyle to try to reduce the insulin resistance and control the testosterone 
And I can tell you now, when I move clients more towards a diet that fa- favors blood sugar regulation, their skin clears up drastically. Mm. Um, but actually, let's make note of things to chat about later on in the podcast in terms of diet. Um, most common diet mistakes that can really impact acne when yeah. it comes to blood sugar. So like I'll go into that topic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Um, so that's mostly the key thing when it comes to testosterone and mm-hmm. that being the issue with hormonal acne yeah the other thing when it comes to the testosterone is we then need to think about the nutrients that help with regulating it which zinc is one of the one of the major minerals that we need to help and essentially that helps with supporting the regulation of an enzyme called aromatase enzyme Mm -hmm. and that helps with the conversion of your testosterone to your estrogen so that's kind of one of the pathways of how we kind of move it on into its next steps but it also helps with the regulation of a specific enzyme that helps with the testosterone to DHT. Mm-hmm. DHT is a metabolite from testosterone, which is a lot more potent than testosterone itself. Mm-hmm. And that's what drives the increase in the oil production in the skin. And this is why the diet is so important yeah. and why we go through SUPs and why we go through correcting imbalances in the diet and correcting not just deficiencies, but proportions of things yeah. as well. Yeah, and we'll dive deeper into diet and supplements later in the episode yes, as well. for sure. Yeah. 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 So hormonal acne is one type. Yes. What are the others? Um, the next we have probably more of a gut-driven acne. Yeah. Now, the thing with a gut-driven acne is when we think about the gut, a lot of people think, oh, probiotics. Yeah, cool. It's all lower bowel stuff. But if we actually think about it, gut health and digestion starts from chewing. So it actually we need to think about – what's happening within the stomach we need to think about what's happening in the small intestine and we need to think about the large intestine as well so we'll start with where it presents on the face so often with more of a gut driven acne it's usually around the mouth so it's a lot of the breakouts that you can see around the lips or or around the chin. Sometimes you can even get kind of the spots here and there more on like the little apples of the cheeks. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing with a gut driven acne is it won't clear up on the pill yeah and that's where i actually see a lot of my clients that are on the pill they have their acne suppressed to a particular extent because they don't have the influence of the hormones Mm -hmm. but they still get their breakouts because the pill's not doing anything for their gut if anything is probably causing havoc for their gut (laughs) so we can identify it through that way yeah but we also then look at history. So we look at has there been any reoccurring bouts of food poisoning? Mm. And that's important because that sets the tone for the motility and the function of the of the digestive tract if there's been reoccurring bouts of food poisoning. Yeah. We think about if they've been on frequent courses of antibiotics. Mm-hmm. We then think about if they've had any parasites or anything like that. But in their case as well, we don't, just look at the breakouts of their skin we actually look at if there's any signs of fungal overgrowth as well so if there's any fungal overgrowth on the tongue so if you can see any more like a like a white or yellow coating on the tongue Mm -hmm. if you can see any skin rashes that are presenting anywhere if they've got athlete's foot or anything like that then they're kind of ticking the boxes for more of a fungal overgrowth which can cause more of that gut driven acne yeah as well Yeah, yeah makes sense Essentially then with the gut, I'll kind of break it up into three separate stages without getting too complex. But the most important thing is we want to make sure the stomach is working effectively. So before you jump in and just try to do all the probiotics and everything like that to try to support digestive function, 
if your stomach isn't working properly, you're not actually going to be able to be breaking down your food effectively to extract the nutrients and absorb the nutrients you need to support the skin to repair. Mm. So that's often even where we would start with a hormonal-driven acne because you need to fix the gut. If you try to do the hormones and there's something going on in the gut, then nothing's going to shift long-term. Yeah. So in the stomach, we need good quality stomach acid. We need to make sure that there's no signs of reflux, that there's no signs of indigestion, that the client has a really good, healthy appetite Mm -hmm. um, and that they're not feeling this extreme sense of fullness after they eat. The other thing that we can often see is if there is more of a gut-driven acne, we can then see usually nutritional deficiencies like iron and B12 and so on, even regardless of what's actually going on in their diet because they need to be able to break it down and absorb it from the stomach acid. Yeah, of course. Then moving along in the digestive tract, one of the key things we see in the small intestine is SIBO, so Mm -hmm. small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. That I could talk about for hours, so I'll just give you a very (laughs) brief understanding of what it is. Basically, bacteria make home in the small intestine and they're not supposed to live there. If they're not supposed to live there, they cause havoc. They cause inflammation in the small intestine. It increases the amount of inflammatory mediators that can significantly impact and travel to the skin, Mm -hmm. but it also can then impact your nutritional status because a lot of your nutrients are absorbed in the mucosa of the small intestine. Yeah. Yeah. Then we kind of move on to the lower bowel. And essentially, this is where a lot of the pathogens overgrowth. So essentially, if we're thinking about like candida or if we're thinking about streptococcus or if we're thinking about staph, that's usually where it makes home. Mm -hmm. And essentially, the gut-skin access is really important because if there's poor mucosal integrity and poor immune function in the large intestine, Mm -hmm. that directly correlates to the function and the immunity in the skin. And if we think back to the start of the podcast, acne is defined as an infection of the pilosebaceous unit. So if there's an infection, we need the immune system to kick in. Mm. And if the immune system is already burdened because of what's going on in the gut, then how are you going to shift anything in the skin? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially the key thing with the more gut-driven acne, you need to look for the signs of dysfunction in the bowel. So is a client going to the toilet every single day? Mm-hmm. I often classify anything less than two poos per day as yeah. constipation. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is a lot of people will say, you know, I only go maybe once every two days. Mm-hmm. And I put it into perspective. I'm like, cool. So if you're eating, let's say three meals a day, which is minimum, most people probably eat a little bit more. Yeah. So you're eating 21 times in a week and you're pooing four times, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't add so, up. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't add up. So you're re- yeah, you really need to get those bowels moving so yeah. you can actually clear out a lot of the toxins that you know we're having in the diet and we're having in the environment. Yeah. And you need to essentially be doing that also for your hormone regulation. Yeah. Because if like we spoke about the hormonal acne with the testosterone, where's that coming out from? It's coming out from the stool. Yeah. So... The bowels are absolutely essential. So you've got to look for the signs of um, burping, reflux, bloating, um, constipation or diarrhea Mm -hmm. Um, and matching this with your history as well because if there's already a history of gut stuff and hasn't technically been addressed, then that's where we should start. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Wow, so complex. Yes, there's so much to know. <laughs> Lucky we have people like you. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, there's there's so many things. Like I feel like even the information that I have is 
I guess, significant in the sense that I can be able to help so many of my clients, but then, yeah. you know, pull up a research paper and you learn new things all the time. Yeah. And there's so much more advancements in knowledge that's coming out about the gut skin access. And I think that's, it's where a lot of the treatment's going to be focused. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Yeah. And then probably one of the, I touched on just two main other areas and then we'll, yeah. we'll wrap up that question, but the other more driver of acne would be your stress driven acne Mm. so this is one that can present regardless if you're on the pill regardless of kind of medications people can have stress driven acne and they're on roaccutane they can have stress driven acne and they're on doxycycline Mm -hmm. so essentially the cause of this is so many different reasons like you know and this is actually something we talk extensively about in the program we have a whole week that's just on the nervous system and how the stress impacts the gut, how it inf- impacts nutritional status, how it impacts hormones. Like, I don't think you, there's nothing you won't know about the stress response after <laughs> yeah. you listen to me blab for hours. It's so comprehensive. <laughs> I love it. There's too many videos. Um, but essentially with a stress-driven acne, first we'll start with the hormones. So essentially when we have the stress response activated it's our brain that's actually telling the adrenal glands hey you need to respond because there's a stressor Mm -hmm. and that stressor can be anything you could be thinking about your to-do list for the day you could be doing probably extensive um, hit training you could be fasting for too long or you could just be working a really crap job that you're not happy with and you're constantly (laughs) stressed Um, so essentially that access that constantly can go Mm -hmm. has a replica exactly in the skin So within the skin, we have the exact same hormones that are produced within the brain when we're stressed Mm -hmm. and they bind to the sebaceous glands and they stimulate sebum production and cause a breakout. Yeah. The other thing that happens with stress is your collagen breaks down. So then that's going to impact the integrity. It's going to impact the delivery of nutrients to the skin so it can actually heal. It's going to cause nutritional deficiencies that can then well, that are then essential to repair the skin and to support hormone regulation. Mm. Um, And then not to mention, if you're super stressed, you're impacting your sleep and your sleep is where all your recovery happens, especially for your skin. Yeah. Yep. I'm sure people listening have had a night that's probably been too long (laughs) and haven't had adequate sleep and have woken up with terrible skin. Mm. Um, So it really shows the importance of trying to support your stress response, not only to try to reduce the sebum production and the quality of the skin, but also in terms of supporting repair. Yeah, makes so much sense. It's so interesting, isn't it, how stress is just at the root of so many illnesses and diseases, like acne, one of them, but then like everything, it's just like you were just explaining then even, it just impacts so many different systems. It's like we all just need to be stressing less. That's exactly (laughs) exactly right. And like even just in terms of everything that I mentioned before about the gut-driven acne, so when we're thinking about low stomach acid production and how that can be impacting acne because of the nutritional deficiencies or if we're talking about SIBO or if we're talking about dysbiosis in the large intestine high cortisol drives all of that you know high cortisol and an activated stress response is going to shut off the vagus nerve and decrease the function of the digestive tract it's going to really impact motility which is essential to try to reduce SIBO and it's going to decrease a lot of the beneficial bacteria in the bowel like lactobacillus and bifidobacterium that actually help with controlling sebum production in the skin. So it's so extensive. So, you know, I said before that that the gut is so important to address when it comes to everything with 
you know, the skin, whether it's hormonal or so on. Mm -hmm. But I almost feel like stress is always alongside that too. Yeah, I feel like stress is something that we can all just really focus on. And even something as simple as taking a few deep breaths. Yeah. Like breath is one of the quickest ways to regulate our nervous system and support that vagus nerve. That's exactly right. And I think the other thing as well that's, you know, we could talk about stress and the stress response for ages, but Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is a lot of people probably don't recognise the extent Mm. that they're stressed too until they go on yeah. holiday and they're like, what does this feel like? Yeah. Um, like, what? This is relaxation? Yeah, this, yeah I don't know. <laughs> um, so I think that's another thing to recognise as well. Whenever I have clients that are like, no, I'm not stressed. I'm like, oh, please. Yeah. <laughs> You're stressed. Like everybody please. is stressed. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, let me, let me see that. Yeah. <laughs> I could have clients that have like cortisol through the roof. They're like, no, nah, but I don't feel stressed. I'm like, you can't, you can't deny the test. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's just become like our natural state these days. Exactly. Like in such a fast moving society, everyone yeah. is just stressed. And yeah, like you said, we don't even notice we're stressed anymore. Yeah. I think especially <laughs> it's a Melbourne vibe. Hey, yeah, like I think <laughs> it's just such a like fast paced environment. Yeah. I think it's really easy to just fall into the trap of then kind of constantly go, go, go or constantly work and not have that balance. Yeah. So true. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Yeah, that was a really good, really comprehensive look at the different types of acne. So thank you for sharing that. That's okay. Let's dive into some of the diet stuff. What are some of those common mistakes that you see people making yes. when it comes to diet and acne? Yes. Okay. One of the biggest things that you need to focus on with acne is balancing your essential fatty acid status. Yep. So essentially, I'll break it down just to real, really simple. We have omega-3. And we have omega-6. Omega-3, we need to be able to support hydration within the skin. So that's actually going to help with reducing water loss from the skin. And it's going to help with making sure that the skin can actually function. Mm -hmm. Because essentially the skin cells on the outer surface of the layer, so the epidermis of what we can touch, Mm -hmm. actually send the signals to the skin cells on more on the deeper layers of the skin in the dermis to, to determine what they need. So, for example, if there's a lot of dehydration in the skin, it's going to tell the skin, hey, I need more hydration. And then you almost can get rebound and you can get more congestion in the skin. Yeah. So we need to correct the essential fatty acid status. So omega-3, you need, you know, all your sardines, your mackerel, anchovies, herring. You can also get it from your chia seeds and hemp seeds as well. Yeah. But we need to decrease omega-6. So omega-6 is where, you know, it's infiltrated so much into our food supply. So you see it in – I know it's gross. Um, (laughs) So you see it in the form of things like canola oil, sunflower oil, sesame oil. Another key mistake that I see a lot of clients do is they go to town on peanut butter. Like I love peanut butter too. too. It's it's honestly so sad. Yeah. (laughs) It breaks my heart. Like I have to just not buy it because I can't have it in my cupboard and not eat it. Um, (laughs) But peanuts are one of the highest omega-6 forms Mm -hmm. of nuts, but it's also nuts, uh, peanuts themselves, they're so highly sprayed as well. So we've got to think about the toxins that you're getting in from that. Yeah. So essentially we've got to balance that omega-3, that omega-6. The other thing to note with omega-6 is it does also directly come from uh, meat, dairy and eggs. So I'm not anti-meat. I eat a lot of meat myself, but you just need to make sure you're getting it from really good quality grass-fed meat as much as you can. Yep. Yeah. Same with same with eggs as well. Just really good quality. Yeah. Pasteurized eggs. eggs. Yeah. Pasteurized eggs. Yeah. Yep. 
So essentially, if you were to think about it in your diet, if you were to do a little diet recall for the last two to three weeks, it's probably more likely that you've got more meat, dairy and eggs in there and possibly more of those inflammatory oils that we mentioned if you're kind of having a few more like takeaway snacks and takeaway food and fried foods than the proportion of how many times you probably ate sardines, mackerel, herring, salmon and so on. Yeah. Essentially, what happens is when you've got too much omega-6, that's going to incorporate more into the cellular membrane compared to omega-3. It means that the skin cells, they're not actually able to absorb their water. It also means the skin cells can't communicate with each other effectively to tell each other the messages of what they need for the epidermis. Mm -hmm. But it also drastically determines the inflammatory status in the skin as well. So absolutely, omega-3, the most important thing with the skin. Yeah, and on that note, I just want to say vegetable oils, always a big no-no. Oh, so you mentioned canola, sunflower, things like safflower, rapeseed. There's a billion yes. names for them. Sometimes it appears under vegetable oil just yeah. as it is, like yeah. and you don't even know which oils are in there. Yes. Just stay away from them, guys. Yeah. They're in everything, like just said. But the more we can stay away from those vegetable oils and only consume healthy oils like extra virgin olive oil, uh, avocado oils, okay, coconut oil for cooking, yep. ghee and butter for cooking also. Yes. They're the only ones we should really be having in an ideal world. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much anything packaged, that's yep. a snack. You can almost guarantee um, <laughs> that it's going to have some kind of um, omega-6 oil yeah. in there. So and, sad. you know, it's, it's sad because even yeah. things like you can see more healthy snacks coming on the market like shiitake mushrooms and broccoli and like all this stuff in little packets. Yeah. Um, and you can assume they're healthy because you're like, oh, it's a vegetable. Yeah. But <laughs> then, <laughs> then you get the oils that are, you know, they've been cooked in. Yeah. 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 And essentially also those oils you will pretty much get from anything fried as well. Yeah. And that's where when it comes to the skin, consistency in the diet is so important. Mm-hmm. I was listening to something recently that said when you consume something that's been deep fried, the amount of inflammation that's induced from it can last about 48 hours in the wow. body. So <laughs> let's say, for example, you go out Friday night, you have something fried um, and you're like, oh, yeah, but I'm just like, you know, my Friday night thing. Um, yeah. And then maybe by Sunday night, you're like, oh, it's Sunday night, it's the end of the week. I'm just going to have a little sweet. And then Wednesday rolls around, you're like, oh, it's the middle of the week. I'm kind of like exhausted from work. I'm going to have something else instead. Yeah. So although it's only a few times, which I think balance is also really important, but in those initial stages when you're really trying to reduce as much inflammation as you can, Mm. if you actually think about it, if that was a classic week, you've induced the inflammation on the Friday that's possibly lasted the duration of the 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. The Sunday you've had that bit of sugar which has probably dysregulated dysregulated the blood sugar for a few days or for a day or so and then kind of caused a response again a few days later yeah so i'm definitely pro balance because i think we're humans and it's really important to have that yeah but i'm also realistic in the sense that in the initial stages when there's lots of inflammation you want to try to control as many factors as you can yeah 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 good one and i think that's one of the things we kind of addressed in our program as well we've got that six-week meal plan that's all amazing home-cooked easy meals yeah showing that it doesn't have to be complicated and on those notes you want takeaway there's actually some really simple stuff you can whip up instead and it feels like you're eating takeaway absolutely and you know what it doesn't even take long when we were cooking well, I think we made like 13 dishes in like yeah. three hours. And yeah. yeah, like I wasn't complaining. Like, yeah. I to eat. But it just shows like it actually, it doesn't take yeah. that long 
to put yep. together. And yep. like, I think those meals, like I'm biased, obviously, because <laughs> I really like food yeah. and I like the dishes we made, but they were all tasty. Yeah, they were. Yeah. And that's the goal with healthy eating. Like you want it to be tasty so it's sustainable and so that you want to keep eating them. Yeah. And the more you make them, the easier it gets, which is why we're able to smash out 13 meals yeah. in a, sh- a few short hours. Yeah, exactly. Because we're used to cooking this way 100 percent. and my adrenaline rushing with the, yes. with the, with the knife <laughs> you're the fastest chopper ever <laughs> gotta get it done that's amazing it's inspirational oh. to get you over every week for my meal prep oh you know what it's crazy because like i'm not even that efficient when i do it for myself <laughs> you just know when it's work related to yeah that's it it's like it's gonna be done <laughs> machine yeah that's it oh uh, so Brilliant. yeah essential fatty acids all that kind of stuff that's one of the key things with the diet yep The other big thing is your blood sugar regulation. Mm -hmm. So we spoke before about how carbohydrates and the types of carbohydrates can significantly impact the amount of glucose in the bloodstream at any given point. So essentially we try to move clients towards, and this is very blanket, this is more of like your blood sugar dysregulated acne. So when we're thinking more about insulin resistance that can be driving acne, um, we always try to move our diets our clients diet more towards a higher protein, higher fat, um, and not low carbohydrate. So we're not thinking ketogenic. Mm-hmm. We're thinking more moving towards like a lower glycemic index yep. um, sources of carbohydrates. Yep. So essentially, actually on my website, I think I have a guide that kind of goes through that a little bit, but we also talk about it extensively in our program. Yep. But essentially what you want to try to aim for is at least about 100 to 120 grams of protein per day. So that's one of the key things I often find people are missing out on their protein. If they're not eating enough protein, you don't have the amino acids there that you actually need for the skin to repair. Mm -hmm. But you also need those amino acids to support liver function to be able to clear hormones out. All of the different liver pathways are essential. Well, they're all essential for clearing out your toxins, but they're also essential for your hormone Um, hormone balance and they all depend on amino acids that you get from protein breakdown Mm -hmm. which we go to again (laughs) extensively in the program but essentially with a diet you want to make sure you've got enough protein that you've got a serving of fat with each meal essentially you also want to ensure there's enough fiber as well because Mm -hmm. fiber is what's going to slow that glucose response from the carbohydrates Um, so don't miss out on your fiber for your breakfast, lunch, and dinner as well. And the obvious one, hydration. So plenty of water. Yeah. That's such an important one that we often forget, isn't it? Yes. So often it gets overlooked or forgotten. And it's like literally the simplicity of drinking enough water every day and filtered water ideally, even better, because then you're not giving your body more things to detox when it's already got enough to detox. Um, Just the simplicity of that. Like if we can just change our water, it can have such an amazing impact on our skin, on our energy levels, on our overall health. Yeah. So that's a nice little um, quick, easy action step you can take from this episode as well. Yes. Those of you listening. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that we also think about in the diet when it comes to dairy. So dairy is a massive thing. Yep. Now, it is a hit and miss. Some people, you know, will not have a single issue with dairy. Yeah. And other people, it can cause so much havoc. So I always try to recommend for people to to avoid particular foods, whether it is gluten, dairy, and sugar for a particular period of time. And essentially it's just because we're trying to reduce as much inflammation as we can so we can allow the body to repair. 
acne is an inflammatory skin condition. So you want to do what you can to try to reduce that inflammation and set the body up for the tone of what it actually needs. So with dairy, it's not the lactose that causes the issue. So I know some people then go and buy all lactose-free products, but it's actually not the sugar that's causing the havoc. It's can significantly, without getting too much into the nitty-gritty of pathways, basically it can contribute more to the insulin-resistant picture yeah. of what I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. So we dairy is one, but if you are going to have dairy, then good quality like organic um, grass-fed sources where possible. Yeah. I often find my clients are less reactive to goat's products, mm-hmm. um, but it is also hit-miss. You know, some people yeah. will react to particular foods and some people won't. Yeah, how about sheep's? So I yeah. the same yep. about goat. Yeah, yep. same. Yeah, awesome. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I saw camel milk the other day um, oh, wow. at one of the health food stores. I was like, oh, oh. that's an interesting one. Yeah, <laughs> no, have you tried it? I haven't, no. <laughs> Actually, no, you know what? I feel like I heard of camel camel milk being really high in omega-3. Interesting. I have to look into it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That could be a good thing to help with that um, omega-3 with intake. omega-3. Yeah. Yeah, I'll look into it. Like, look, I'd, I haven't really thought about drinking camel milk before. Yeah, it's such a random <laughs> thing. I'm like, hey, guys, go find camel milk. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, by the way, that was just hypothetical. You don't actually yeah, no, don't, have to go don't find go camel, camel milk. <laughs> we don't know enough about it yet. No, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm sure it's not as bad as the milks that are available in the market that have got, like, sunflower oil and everything. Yeah. That's actually something really important we should probably mention yes. when it comes to if you're going for those plant-based milks because you're cutting out the dairy, yes. make sure you're looking at the ingredients list and check that it is just whatever the main ingredient is. Let's say it's almond milk. You want to see about 10% almonds and you don't want to see any of those vegetable oils like sunflower oil or canola oil. Um, usually it should just be almonds, water, salt would be like an ideal mm-hmm. um, ingredients list for an almond milk. Same goes with any of the other ones. If you're getting coconut, you just want it to be coconut milk with a bit of sometimes they have rice milk in them um yeah so just looking at those ingredients checking their real foods and checking they don't have those omega-6 oils and vegetable oils yes. in them yes absolutely <laughs> so that sneaks in so much into so many so different much. milks yeah. yeah the two brands i would recommend are pure harvest and nutty bruce there are more out there just always look at the ingredients list yeah. but if you're at the supermarket um that might make it a little bit easier for you yeah i love nutty bruce yes so nutty bruce is my go-to yeah and it's activated yes so, yeah actually yeah. i think pure harvest is too yeah i think so what about inside out do you like that brand? I checked that one recently. I feel like I when I did an almond milk review, that one did Actually, pass, but I'm okay. not sure. I have to double check because I don't remember. It I think so from ago. memory, it also had a bit of calcium added into it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I like that one. But yeah, yeah no, I'm, I usually stick to my Nutty Bruce. Yes. I milk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On that note, I should actually mention, because I know a lot of people try to stay clear of almond milk because they're like, oh, almonds, omega-6, going to be impacting my skin. Yeah, I think point. it's always important to remember the context of quantity. Mm, yeah. I Like, for example, I am such a creature of habit. I have the exact same smoothie every single morning for breakfast and yeah. I, I don't. You know, <laughs> you know, my blender comes with me everywhere. Yes. Um, <laughs> even we went to Wilson's Prom, Jacinta brought her blender. It was amazing. I have to. <laughs> I need to go. It's, it it's coming overseas with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love it. That is commitment right there. <laughs> I love my smoothie. Um, but I would probably have like maybe 200 mils of that. Yeah. And if you kind of think about it, it's mostly water. Yeah. It's probably really minimal um, almonds. Yeah. And 
essentially I know a lot of people then try to move away from that and they'll probably have something else instead but if you actually think like we still need omega-6 in the diet it's just about the quantity of how much you're having and that you're not having enough omega-3 like if we didn't need omega-6 in the diet then we wouldn't have these specific pathways in the body that are dependent on it yeah like it is important it's the difference between getting omega-6 from almonds is significantly different than getting omega-6 from canola oil or sunflower oil or something like that. Especially when we look at the processing that goes into, for example, an almond to be turned into milk, it's very minimal. Like it's just going through a food processor and being strained as opposed to something like a vegetable oil where it's being massively refined, bleached, deodorized, like all these things. The heat treatment. Yeah, Yeah. all the treatments and things to get it to its end form. Like it's nasty. Yeah. So go for the stuff that's as has had as little refining or processing as possible. Something like the almond milk. (laughs) Absolutely. And even with that, I think it's like we said about the quantity. So, yes, if you're having that bit of almond milk, then, you know, that's fine. But, you know, if you, for example, were doing almond milk and then, you know, for – your snacks, you're also putting bucket loads of almond butter. Yeah. And then you're making peanut butter. Yeah, or peanut butter. Or you're doing that and then maybe you're having another nut rich kind of snack in the afternoon, then you've got to think about the context yeah. of of what you're eating. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Look like zooming out and looking at it across the day, across the exactly. week as opposed to just like meal and hundred percent. And that's where I always even just bring things back to my basic the basics with my clients. I'm like, well, Okay, you're going to all like eating all these different things and versatility, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but where do you have more room for vegetables? Yeah. And is there enough room? Like, could you actually swap maybe one of those nut rich snacks that you're having for actually just like some veggie sticks or like yeah. another set of veggies? Yeah, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah. Always eat more veg. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, you know, along with the dips that we have in our program. That was so good. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Yep. Yeah, dips are a hard one to buy. They're like, but they're so easy to make, thankfully. Yes. But like when it comes to buying dips, they are like massive culprits of having those vegetable oils. That's actually them. a really good point too because yeah. that's very easy for, um, you know, to reach for the hummus and add bucket loads of hummus onto your meals yeah. and or other dips. And yeah, often the second ingredient is usually canola. Yeah. Yeah, it's nasty, whereas homemade, so easy, so quick. Yes, yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Well, the last thing with the diet that I probably touch on is gluten. So it's a one that I often recommend to my clients that if I can see it's an issue for them in terms of digestive function, their overall immune system function, if I'm kind of seeing that there's a bit of thyroid stuff that's going on or if I can generally just see that their skin is quite problematic, then – I almost just feel like it's a no-brainer to cut it out and see how your body responds. The reason being is because there has been a little bit of research that's shown with gluten exposure, it increases the intestinal permeability in the gut for about 20 minutes after exposure. So basically, intestinal permeability refers to the cells, I guess their gap junctions. So essentially, we want the cells of the gut to be really closely tightly knitted all next to each other and that helps to protect the barrier and it helps to prevent anything from going through to the bloodstream and that's when things can cause havoc on the skin because it's kind of passing through the gut and entering systemic circulation yeah with gluten exposure it's triggering a response where those cells of the gut they're not tightly knitted next to each other anymore they've got a little bit more of a gap between them and that really allows food proteins and everything that we're eating to pass through and elicit an inflammatory and immune response yeah so if you're going to do gut work for the skin 
gluten almost kind of has to go. And that's where we're also thinking about oat milk. You know, yeah. oat milk is still a source of gluten. If you're having wheat-free oats, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Oats do contain a particular type of gluten, but it's less inflammatory than gliadin. It's called um, abenin. So yeah. it's a different type of protein. So I'm always just kind of take it out, see body responds. If, you know, after a few months we see no change, then great, bring it back in. Yeah. Um, but the the reason that I also say that as well is I have a perfect example of a client I was working on, uh, working with towards the end of last year. Actually, I'm still seeing her now, but we had this epiphany the end of last year. She was mostly gluten-free, but still having sourdough on the weekend. So she was still having one piece here and there. Yeah. And essentially I just – I could see. I was like she had extremely painful periods regardless of what we were doing. Her skin wasn't – well, was budging, but not to the extent that I wanted it to budge. Yeah. And her estrogen was significantly high. Yeah. Now, the estrogen to be significantly high can be because there's an inflammatory driver. Mm. And I was like, how much gluten are you still having? She's like, you know, once a week. And I was like, I reckon that – still might might be too much for your body based on the symptoms that we're seeing. Yeah. And because I've also, it was quite a while ago, I read this piece of research that showed for individuals that have a gluten sensitivity with just one exposure, it can sustain an inflammatory response for up to five months. Wow. Which is significant. (laughs) You think you have two slip-ups in the year, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, But that's like, I don't go to that extent for everyone. But that's just something to think about. So having one little bit of exposure week to week or like a couple bits of exposure that was possibly enough to keep that inflammation sustained. Yeah. So I was like, right, let's cut it out. See what happens. Mm -hmm. She made the commitment. She cut it out. And within four weeks, skin drastically cleared. Her cycles from then on have been pain-free. Amazing. And just feeling so much better. And that's nothing else we did. Yeah. We kept her on the same supplements, kept her on the same. The rest of the diet was exactly the same, blood sugar, like blood sugar regulation, regulating. We just removed gluten. Yep. And it wasn't a drastic change she had to make because it was only once or twice a week she was eating it. Yeah. But it was enough to be able to cause that inflammatory response. Wow. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> insane. mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah, I think of that when I have slip-up sometimes. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. yes, so that's just my take on gluten. Yeah. 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 Makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing. Awesome. And so we've spoken about diet. Let's speak a little bit about diet and supplementation when it comes to acne. Okay. So I guess when it comes to supplements, this is where we intervene at more of a therapeutic level. So I often get met with the resistance and this is more so possibly because I've done a lot of skin education, training a lot of different clinicians like skin therapists in both my existing job and through a render we do a lot of that as well and i know that a lot of skin therapists the type of resistance they get met with their clients is their clients saying oh but i eat plenty in my diet um with my clients i don't get that resistance as much because they know that's what we're we're there for to be able to use the supplements to really act really as a as a medicine we're using it to act as a therapeutic dose yep so the difference between diet and subs is when we're prescribing a supplement, we're not meeting an R, just an RDI. We're trying to go above to act as a therapeutic. Yeah. So essentially, if we think about it with zinc, for example, we can dose zinc up to about 50 milligrams per day. But the RDI of how much you actually need per day is very, 
minimal. Yeah. So I think I can't even remember the exact amount. I think it might be about fourteen to eighteen milligrams somewhere Sounds around there. About right. Yeah. And it's important to remember that the RDI is a value that's set from more of the governing bodies in terms of nutrition, yeah. and it's set to try to say you need this amount to avoid disease. But the thing is, is we're trying to focus on function and optimizing function. So it's a different perspective of how we then prescribe or the dosages of what we need. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're sticking to 14 milligrams of zinc per day, then you probably don't have enough to really actually act therapeutically in the yeah. body. And it's quite hard to then get 50 milligrams of zinc, for example, in the form of the diet. Yeah. So the difference between diet and SUPS is your diet is what's going to help with kind of sustaining things to meet your RDIs, mm-hmm. but then we need the supplements to add in as an intervention to really get more of that therapeutic e- efficacy yeah. um, and to really modulate a lot of those different pathways that we're trying to optimise. So if we're thinking about, for example, testosterone regulation, um, then we need the zinc to that higher amount so that can support that. Yeah. If we're thinking about congestion within the skin, we need a minimum of about 1,500 milligrams per day of omega-3 to just meet baseline requirements. So that's just to support every other single system in the body. Yeah, 1,500 milligrams of omega-3 is equivalent to one tin of sardines. Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you there's not many people who are eating a tin of sardines a day. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where the supplements come in because when you're prescribing essential fatty acids, you would then possibly dose between that two and a half you know, to six grams per day. So it's to meet the baseline requirements and to do more. Yeah. And how about the importance of making sure you're addressing both diet and supplementation rather than some people who just dive in for the supplementation? Yes. You cannot out-supplement a poor diet and you cannot out-supplement poor absorption either. (laughs) So true. Fix that gut first. Yes, absolutely. I've had clients that would take iron and – you know, we'll get it up to a particular extent, but we're waiting for the gut to catch up before yeah. it can actually appropriately absorb the iron. Yeah. So, and iron's so essential for collagen synthesis and, yeah. um, you know, thyroid function, which is going to regulate those skin cell turnover for, yeah. um, for acne. So in terms of supplements, they are there to act therapeutically. Your diet is the absolute foundation. Mm-hmm. So for example, I would avoid giving a client a blood sugar regulating supplement until I can see their diet is able to actually support blood sugar regulation. There's no point taking something like inositol to try to support blood sugar regulation and optimize um, insulin receptor sensitivity if there's still high carbohydrates, if there's not enough protein, if there's not enough fat, if there's meals that are being skipped, um, if there's lots of snacks on rice cakes and stuff like that because they're quite high glycemic index. So the diet forms the foundation for the body to function effectively and always remember nature's pretty smart so the for the forms of the nutrients you're going to get are in a really good absorbable form for the diet but there's also a lot of phytonutrient like a lot of different nutrients that you'll get from the food and active constituents that you won't get from a supplement yeah so to put it into perspective this is just one example vitamin c rich foods often also accompany with bioflavonoids. So they work simultaneously to support whether it's, you know, wound healing or immune function, reducing inflammation, and supporting connective tissue repair and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that occurs naturally because nature was like, cool, in the body, this is what 
you know, this is what it needs. Yeah. So a lot of those pathways that need vitamin C, you need your bioflavonoids at the same time. Yeah. And when you're prescribing supplements, I would say 90% of vitamin C supplements are just vitamin C on their own. They don't actually have bioflavonoids alongside with them. Yeah. And it just shows you that you need you need the, the whole food to yeah. be able to long-term keep the body functioning really well. And the supplements just add in to speed the process when there's dysfunction. Yeah, makes so much sense. Yeah. And I personally am a big fan of like whole food supplements. Yes. So adding in like powdered versions of fruits and vegetables, which you're getting, like for example, it might be a high vitamin C source like Camu Camu or Kakadu Plum or any yeah. of those. And that's a great way to boost up your vitamin C in the whole food form. Like, Absolutely. Like powdered whole food form, like yeah. not actually technically a whole food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, using things like that. It's if sourced it's available. From food. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're it. getting all those other active constituents too. Exactly. And even just yeah. things like matcha. Yeah. It's such a simple thing you can add in. Yeah. Like full of so true. full of antioxidants, really great for the gut and still yeah. great for supporting um, immune function and inflammation. Yeah. Brilliant. So we've touched a bit on diet, supplements. Let's talk a little bit about lifestyle practices for acne before we wrap it up. Yep. Okay. So I would probably start with the lymphatics. So I guess the lymphatic system, essentially, it's just a network of vessels that help with carrying waste products out of the body. Basically, with the lymphatics, it kind of picks up kind of um, waste from the circulatory system Mm -hmm. and it helps to bring that waste through almost checkpoints of the body. So it'll bring it through your spleen, through your lymph nodes and so on. Um, That's why, you know, when you're sick and you get infection, the glands swell up and that's purely because there's been um, the lymph that's been traveled through. Yeah. And essentially with a sluggish lymphatic system, you can then get a lot of breakouts that present along the jawline on the neck, underneath the ears or on the back of the head. Mm -hmm. Um, And, that is lymphatics is all lifestyle like it's lifestyle and we can do herbal and nutritional stuff to support the lymphatics Mm -hmm. and often people will have a sluggish lymphatics if they're ticking the boxes of like recurrent nose throat and ear infections from when they were young and had a lot of antibiotics or if there is like an underlying like chronic kind of if we kind of think like a chronic underlying bacterial or viral load in the body that that the individual might have, then their lymphatic system is always being a little bit challenged. Mm -hmm. Um, But essentially to support the lymphatics, that's all lifestyle stuff. So you need to be constantly moving. So exercise, you know, these desk jobs that we have aren't always great for that. Um, We need to think about hot and cold showers because that's really good for trying to support the lymphatic function as well. Um, And this is where like even lymphatic drainage, drainage massage or even something like doing more lymphatic facials with skin therapists and stuff can really be good yeah that type of real deep congested breakout so often if it's lymphatic we'll see it sit under the skin and it doesn't come out like it kind of just sits and manifests and it's hard to kind of push um that pass out almost to the surface like you can see it quite hard underneath the skin yeah so the lifestyle stuff with your lymphatics that's really important and of course um, water, like we said before, that's yeah. going to be important to move that lymph. Yeah. Um, the other thing to consider with lifestyle is environmental toxins. Mm-hmm. So when we're thinking about, for example, hormone regulation, yeah. if it's testosterone that's in excess or if there's estrogen in excess, these are coming out from the liver. Mm-hmm. And if we think about it, the body is going to prioritize clearing out probably some of the toxins before it prioritizes the um the clearance of your hormones yeah. because 
you know, your hormones are natural to your body, but things like alcohol or, you know, toxins that we're exposed to in the environment in terms of cosmetics and cleaning products and all that stuff, yep. they're not so natural <laughs> to the body. <laughs> so the body's like, let's get these out. What is this? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so the that's important because yeah. if you want to support your hormones, you need to clear up your environment. So think about the makeup you're using, the, the skincare you're using, the um, deodorants, perfumes, everything. Like basically you just want to move into Shana's house because (laughs) (laughs) it's just like so clean. (laughs) So All natural. Yes, everything. (laughs) I love it. Um, So basically, yeah, you want to clear up your environment as much as you can. Yeah. Um, And that also, I guess with the diet, I didn't mention alcohol, but obviously alcohol Mm -hmm. and lifestyle, um, that kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good one. Awesome. So if you could pick one healthy habit for people to have around skin health in general um, or even acne specific, up to you, what would that one healthy habit be if you could only pick one? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's so a hard. tough question because there's so many things we I just know, talked my about. My brain's like breakfast water. I'm, oh, no. oh, I'm not going to survive if I don't have water. Um, oh. Obviously, like okay, we, we want know them to we do more. Water. Yeah, but, um, yeah. If there was one that you think would make the biggest difference or is really important for that consistency, yeah. Is there one that you could pick, or if yeah. one's too hard, maybe top three? Yeah. Okay. I would probably say the most one of the most important things. Like we know, acne can be significantly diet driven. Mm-hmm. So I would probably say breakfast is going to be the most important thing yeah. because if it's a blood sugar that's impacting the acne, mm-hmm. then what you're eating for breakfast in terms of the timing of your meal and the composition of that meal is going to be really, really important to set the tone for your hormone synthesis for the rest of the day too. Yeah. So I would focus like the one big thing is breakfast so trying to go like we said before high protein more of a lower carb high fat type of breakfast um so let's say for example to put that into context if you're eating oats for breakfast be cautious of the portion of oats but add in protein and add in a source of fat so i know the most common mistake is you know you can have oats and then add in banana and then it's like cool that's just pure carbohydrates there's nothing there to balance those carbohydrates and the glucose response so you need to add in whether it is sources of protein powder whether you're adding in hemp seeds chia seeds um and adding in a source of fat as well yeah Yeah, um so breakfast i'd probably say yeah what's another healthy habit um the skincare yeah i think that's a massive thing like this is we have a lot of our clients that see skin therapists already. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to avoid trying to self-prescribe mm-hmm. your supple- your pres- your skincare prescription because yeah. everyone's skin is going to be unique. Yeah. But be very, very cautious of the makeup you're wearing. Yeah. So that's a massive thing. So, you know, if you're buying comedogenic brands, so comedogenic basically means they're brands that will block the sebaceous gland and they're going to cause more they're going to block the oxygen flow into the sebaceous gland and or into the hair follicle that will cause an increase in oil in the sebaceous gland so essentially we want to try to steer clear of comedogenic brands Mm -hmm. opt for more non-comedogenic brands so something like eco minerals is also great um I think Jane Iredale is another brand that's also Mm non-comedogenic. So you've got to almost look for these types of brands because that can drastically impact your skin 
So yeah. yeah, habit one, change your diet. Habit two, change your skincare. Yeah. Um. Oh, I don't know if I can decide on a third. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many. Shall we just make it the water? Water. Yeah. Yep. Water. Filtered water. The plenty of filtered water. Plenty of filtered water. Yeah. Um. Always try to aim for 33 mils for every body weight. Every body weight? Every, every kilo. kilo of body weight. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even then, that's just baseline requirements. Yeah. If you're exercising, you need more. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. So, yeah, they're probably my top three things. If you're trying to figure out the cause of your acne, testing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If you need to figure out what's going on, you can't do blanket treatments. They've, I've had you know, so many, so many acne cases, they'll be like, yeah, but it's all hormonal, it's hormonal. And it is in nature. Like it presents in those areas, completely different hormonal drivers in blood tests and it's a completely different prescription, a completely different approach. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, lucky we have clinics like ours, <laughs> like Arenda. Thank you. <laughs> Everyone knows where to go now. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. Awesome. One final question. If you could recommend a book for every listener to read, what would it be and why? Oh Ideally God. about skin, if there is a good skin one. You have got me on the spot because I'm the yeah, worst sorry. reader. I don't read books. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's just say one day maybe we'll bring a book out so that can be yes. the answer. Yeah, that would be <laughs> yeah. my future book that I'll yes. write. That's going to be the one you <laughs> yeah. need to read. <laughs> I'm so bad with reading. I, okay. have, I have the good. attention span of a goldfish. I'll start <laughs> reading and I'll be like, what's this sentence again? And just keep going back and forth. It's <laughs> oh, too funny. That's um, right. You spend your time reading research articles. Well, that's instead. it. Yeah, I'll read abstracts. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, where can the listeners find you and learn more from you? Dive deeper into learning about acne or any other women's health conditions. Yes. Um, so we have our website, arendawomenshealth.com.au. Yep. We also have our Instagram page, which is arendawomen's health. Yep. Um, we have our program. Yes. So we have our um, Healthy Skin From Within, the Acne Edition program. So yep. that is a six-week six course, six week, yeah. which is all with meal plans, with breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. And every single week we focus on a different topic of acne. So whether it's acne in the diet, acne in gut, acne in nervous system, acne in hormones, acne in lifestyle, there's so much content. Yeah. Um, and we go a lot into the anatomy of what is actually acne and the pathophysiology behind it. Yeah. Um, so that's all on our website. Um, but we also have a podcast that we've just recently launched ourselves, which yeah. is called Periods, Poos and Pimples. Amazing. Um, so you'll get to listen to me talk for way too long. <laughs> and <laughs> Share even more of your amazing knowledge. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so those platforms is, um, is where you'll – be able to find us beautiful and i'll link to all of that in the show notes yes but thank you so much for being here and sharing all of that information oh I feel my like, pleasure yeah you've given so much value here today and yeah it's just scratching the surface of what you know and like what's in our program and stuff it just always blows my mind how much you know about this and you have so much lived experience too from helping so many people which i think really helps um yeah with what you deliver and just really knowing what you're talking about. So thank you for sharing. Thank, thank you for you. being here. It's no, it's pleasure. my pleasure. It's always nice. It's always hard to be like, where do I, where do I stop talking? <laughs> there's too many things. Um, but no, it's, it's always such a pleasure, a pleasure being able to um, educate. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. No, you're welcome. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I'd absolutely love for you to leave me a review and let me know what you think. I'm always open to feedback and if you have any dream guests or topic requests, please feel free to send me a direct message or an email. 
If you know anyone else that this episode could benefit, I'd be so grateful if you could share it with them. Together, we can help even more people live a nourished life. Your support means so much to me and I appreciate you being here.